Welcome to Sticks and Taps, where the conversation is hockey and the keg is always cold. The games will be on soon, so let's step up to the bar, grab a pint, get into it. Your host, Paul Cuthbert and Liam Maguire. Slanta, fellas, and don't forget to pay your tabs. Ah, we always do, Seamus. So great to hear your voice again. Good evening, good day, good afternoon. Wherever you are, whenever you are, and who you are, welcome to Sticks and Taps. Paul Cuthbert here in New York in the great United States of America and my friend, Mr. Liam McGuire from the Great White North is joining me again. We've opened up the pub. How's it going, sir? <laughs> Paulie, my pub's always open, brother. Oh, we, we got the video on here, folks. We're seeing each other, but uh, we got to get this fired up for you guys down the road. But your man here has a tonight I drink for Ireland t-shirt on and a full, what, what do you call that? A tall boy. <laughs> yes, yes, look at you. Look at you knowing what this is. This is, I know nobody can see it, but you're right. We do have to fire these videos up. This is a tall boy of Molson Export Ale. Now, Polly, Molson Export Ale is the longest single serving ale in the Molson umbrella. It was established in 1903. And I know what you're saying, Liam. Didn't the Ottawa Senators win the Stanley Cup in 1903? They did. But uh, that aside, the, the uh, Molson Export Ale, which is a bit of a, it's a sort of a bitter ale. It's, it's an acquired taste. You don't typically probably see a lot of Canadians going in and starting off Molson X unless they probably had some, has a, has a kid, you know. Maybe he's a teenager. Maybe your dad drank it or something. But uh, yes, sir, brother, sipping on one here now. Great to see you again and hear you again and uh, be on sticks and taps and especially with all sorts of hockey on the uh, on the verge of starting. So what better than to put on a shirt that is emblematic of <laughs> our history and in keeping with that tradition, having a pint. G'day. Cheers, man. Slanta, it is great to see you and hear you again. And I am uh, sporting my, I guess, the state of the United States here, my Mickey Mouse shirt. <laughs> With my yeah, yeah, but look, I got my St. Patrick's New York Rangers cap on. Okay, yeah, I see that. That's that's a great hat, by the way. Uh, I wish people could see it, but uh, you're wearing it well. It looks great. And as for the shirt, uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> I got two young kids. You know that. I know you yeah. do. I know you do. We just saw one of them coming downstairs here to get your dog out of the seat. Get out of the studio. Yep. <laughs> On talk, on talk, you crazy yes. bastard. That's our little pup, on talk. Yes, good stuff. But how you been, mate? I mean, uh, it's it's funny that we're we're firing things back up. Obviously, me and Liam always uh, keeping in touch with each other, and we've done a whole bunch of shows there. We took a break for a while, and we were doing a lot of uh, Irish history. Liam doing a phenomenal job with the uh, the Irish music that we've been, uh, uh, you know, pushing here and promoting. And uh, we always like to mix that in here with sticks and taps. And we were doing that, Liam, obviously with not a lot of hockey talk going on. Uh, yeah. all, all hockey, uh, you know, people, everybody in the industry, it's been a really tough, you know, last few months. And, and we say that on the light side of, of obviously the more important things that are going on, uh, respecting everything that's going on in COVID. But, um, obviously Christmas coming here a little early for all of us who do love the game, uh, with the world juniors here about to get set to go here on Christmas day and, uh, the national hockey league, obviously, announcing its return to play on January 13th. So we figured we'd get back here, talk a little bit about that. 
reminisce a little bit and uh, and go from there. So, um, again, great to have you back here, Liam, and looking forward to chatting with you about uh, those two major subjects. Likewise, brother. Absolutely. Let's let's get after it. It's uh, no time like the present, and and we've got some. We've got on the verge of the like set of some great hockey stuff. God willing. You know, if we can uh, avoid any any type of COVID uh, situations here. Absolutely. But before we do, I have to, you know, yesterday you released a video on social media for all of us to, <laughs> to take in. And if I'm not mistaken, I, I think it's, the views now are more than Ariana Grande's uh, top video. And that is <laughs> oh, yeah. of you skating, yeah. skating like lightning, baby. <laughs> oh, yeah. Please fine. set this up. First of all, you look good, man. Where were you? <laughs> and, uh, and just talk about that whole day yesterday before we get into it here. Yeah, well, um, I was at an arena that's 90 seconds from my house. It's called the, it, it was the Osgood Arena. It's formerly called the Stuart Holmes Arena, named after uh, one of the patriarchs of the village here, if you will. He's still alive. He's 92, and um, he's got a big family. Um, unfortunately, his daughter passed away tragically a few years back, but his sons are all alive, and they're all local legends, as is he. They named the arena after him, and... Um, I, I don't play hockey anymore. You know, I, I, uh, I coached my son for 13 years and that ended six years ago. And I played some pickup and some ODR for about two of the years after my son Rory packed it in. And then we just had a real bad winter. And, and uh, you know, the canal that was open for skating or the local outdoor rinks had a very, very short shelf life. I just didn't happen to get on the ice. And one year became two. And two became three. And then last year was four. And, and I just went, Jesus, you know, and kept moving my gear around downstairs because it was in the way. And then I, I, pick, I picked up my skates and I went, God damn it, you know. I went to the store and I got them sharpened and I looked up online and sure enough, there was some there was some public skating. And I went down to the arena and talked to the guys about going out doing some other stuff. But that aside, I just went out, me and my roommate, he hasn't skated in a year. And, and uh, he was a p- pretty solid player, and he hasn't skated in a year. And, and uh, he's on Christmas holidays right now. He was outside having a smoke and a pint. <laughs> I said, uh, he saw me walk out with my skates, and I, he said, what are you doing? I said, I'm going public skating. And I, I was good. And I said, you want to go? And he said, yeah. So we went out there, man. And that arena is where I first played hockey, Polly. I mean, I, I signed up Osgood wow. Rito minor hockey in 1968, 52 years ago. Wow. inside that rink now that rink didn't have artificial ice at that time it was man-made ice so we had to start in another village uh about uh about eight nine miles south of of here called kentville and then once the ice froze over here in osgood we'd come back and play then in 71 they put in artificial ice and the first time i public skated there was 1972 that's 48 years ago and there i was out there yesterday taking a few laps of course we had our phones out you know, we were fooling around, right? And and uh, we were stretching and fooling around, and we started trying to, you know, you, you start feeling your oats a little bit, right? <laughs> and start busting it between blue lines, and and uh, all he said, let's let's take some videos. I said, sure. And we took some videos. <laughs> we both thought we were flying out there <laughs> till you see them. <laughs> he looked at them and me too, and went, "What the hell? <laughs> it looks like we're skating in slow motion." But. Uh, I'll tell you what, uh, every lap I made, I got stronger and I, I felt better. Like, um, I always felt Polly 
say what you want, nowhere near an NHLer. But I always felt I was a really good skater. Mm-hmm. I always prided myself on my skating. And uh, uh, we were out there for 40 minutes yesterday. And I'm feeling it today in my legs, by the way. And I ride a bike all the time. I work out all the time. But it's such different muscles. It's amazing. But uh, Jesus, we had fun. Oh, my God, did we enjoy that. So going to do it again. Unfortunately, we're going into lockdown here in a couple of days. But um, when they reopen here in two weeks, which they will, I'm going to go back out. And uh, I'm going to get a stick out there and a puck. And uh, I intend to play some ODR this winter. That was one of the reasons I did it, to be honest. I, I, I wanted, I've been invited out to a 1,000 outdoor rinks. And I said, Jesus, I, I don't want to embarrass myself. Can I even still stand up? It's been four years. Anyways, that's the uh, it, it wouldn't the look good. It wouldn't look good for your brand there, buddy. You know? No. NHL historian can't, can't even <laughs> skate on the ice. <laughs> I know. I know. Instead, I think it was the total opposite. You know, you look at the comments, and other than a few people, there's always a few who want to take the piss out of you. Um, <laughs> otherwise, most people were pretty uh, supportive, you know? I mean, I'm 61, and, and I haven't been on skates in four years. And that was about my fourth lap. And, and uh, I, thought it, I thought, you know, really, other, you could see at the back end, I was struggling to make the turn, you know? I used to be able to just hop like McDavid on those things, man. And uh, by the end of the session, I, I was already 20% better. But uh, that was like our fourth lap when Ollie and I said, let's, let's shoot some video. But uh, I, I enjoyed the hell out of it. And we were winded, let me tell you. After 40 minutes, we, we were sucking wind, big time, both of us. I was watching you, and my ankles were starting to hurt. <laughs> and I was just watching you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I tell you. That, I mean, that, I, pain, that pain when you haven't skated for a while and you put the boots on and you start yeah. ripping it up a little bit. Oh, man. That, that's, I'll never forget that pain. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I tied them. I had my, my skates tied real tight. Uh, even though I was public skating, I still put tape on. And, uh, you know, I tried to stretch before, but I did, it wasn't enough. Still still hurt myself a little bit out there, overdid it a little bit, but uh, but feel good. And uh, they're, like I said, they're closing down in two days. There's public skating tomorrow, and I'm going back out. Good, man. Good for I'm, you. I'm going back out. I'm, I'm going to do another 40 minutes tomorrow. And, and uh, yeah, I like it was it was so much fun. I it, it brought back so many memories. Just being in that building was so familiar for me. Don't forget, I coached my son there 13 years too. Yeah, he played that same building too. That was his home building. It was my home building and his home building. My father would and my mother would drop me off there. You know, uh, 50 years ago. Like it's hard to believe, but so it's it, it, uh, still there. Yeah, it really is. I mean, it's been refurbished and upgraded and whatnot, obviously, but but it's the same complex. You know, it's the same location. It's the same ice plant right there. And and uh, it meant a lot to me. It really did to get out there. And I, I remember after my dad passed away, my mother found a bunch of letters that he had written um, home to his brothers in Ireland. And uh, his brothers had kept them, and they sent them back to my mom after dad had died. And she was reading through them, and she showed me. I actually read through most of them, but some of them she put aside for me specifically. And one of them was from 1971. So I'm 12 years old. And my dad, my dad wrote to his brothers in Dublin that Liam would rather skate than eat. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget that. And he's right. 
I was one of those kids that slept in my equipment. And I couldn't, if I had 6 a.m. practice, I was ready to go at 5. And, and anybody listening that played knows what I mean. Because yeah. we, we lived for it and we loved it. And, and there was no better feeling than hitting fresh ice for that first lap. That first time you handle the puck and snap one off the bar. That first turn you make. The first, the first foray you make where you open up the engines or anything. Nothing can beat that. It's the best. Yep. And that's what I felt yesterday. That's great. There's only one. There's, I, I compare it to skiing too. Um, oh, for skiing sure. Skiing is amazing yeah. too. So, like you know, Would if you haven't same. you haven't been on it for a while, and then you get back into it and gets the bug going again. But they're they're two just amazing feelings because there's nothing like gliding. You know, whether it's on yeah. the ice or on the snow, there's just a great thing. It's um. You know, just breathing in and everything and just feeling it. It's um, it's awesome. And it, it really was, like I said, for a guy like me who I haven't skated in a while, and it's funny, I'm watching you there and, and listening to you obviously now telling the story and the history of it too. It's like, you know, being a father of two young kids and um, they want, they're interested in ice. So I, I look forward now to getting on the ice again and taking them and everything else and, and, and listening to you describe that feeling. It's true. When you put the... When you put the skates back on and you get out there and you just feel that glide, obviously power skating in the NHL is just an incredible level of skating. You know, yeah. you were pushing it there yesterday, buddy, man. Don't knock yourself, man. You look good out there, man. It was uh, it was enjoyable to watch. But just generally ice skating and, and skiing, they're just two great outdoor winter activities that are just uh, incredible. And if anybody hasn't done it in a while, you got to get out there and do it. And I think you're inspiring me, too, to, just to get out there and just feel it again because there's, there's nothing like it, man. I, I had people messaging me on on the various platforms yesterday saying exactly that that they're going to dust the awesome. dust off the blades and they're they're going for a tour and I went Look right at you on inspiring people right on. <laughs> <laughs> you got everybody drunk out there now you're going to get them back on the ice <laughs> that's it baby <laughs> you may not be able to drink and drive but you sure as hell can drink and skate. <laughs> Uh, um, I imagine the post skate was a lot of fun yesterday, my friend. I'm sure. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Oh, we limped off there. I remember all he all he gave me. And people can't see it, but it was like this one, no moss. You know, after about 40 minutes, he said, "You good to go?" I said, "Yeah, I'm good to go." <laughs> we left, and we went to the beer store right away and loaded up. Uh, the only way, baby. Only in the way. I love it. Hey, look, I got a, one last thing on this. Um, and if you don't mind me asking, what what is your you know, you just talked briefly about, you know, how you used to get up an hour before practice. You as a kid, and, and obviously being from Canada and stuff, and, and you know, just you being so involved with the game, your knowledge of it. What's what's your history, if you don't mind me asking? You know, if, did you have aspirations to maybe play in the league when you were younger? I mean, was there a route there for you? How did you not end up playing, or, or what level did you get to if you did it all? It's funny enough, I've never asked you this in all the years I've known you. Oh, yeah. I guess we haven't talked much about it because uh, I don't say much. Uh, I didn't play really anywhere. I uh, uh, My aspirations died pretty quickly. Like I knew I just wasn't, I wasn't, just wasn't good enough. You know, I mean, the way it was back in those days, <clears throat> the two age groups now, now that are classified as minor and major, they, they were together. So every second year I could make what would be regarded as sort of the local rep team in those mm-hmm. days, which was basically equivalent to B hockey. Gotcha. Is what it was. B minor, B minor level hockey. So in the city of Ottawa, where the A hockey was, I never would have been able to make one of those teams. Maybe 
maybe my second year peewee. I'd say when I was 12, 13, 14 is probably when I was at my most proficient compared to my peers. But I, I, I regressed, comparatively speaking, pretty quickly into my 15, 16 years. They just, I was so small and uh, the games were so violent. <clears throat> and uh, I just got filled in so many times. And I just couldn't cut it at those next levels. And then I played two years of juvenile, which is equivalent now to what you would call like junior C. And uh, great experiences, great memories. And then I played at, uh, at college. I, I, just, I, pl- I played intramural, and, which seems like it's a, it's, a, it's a massive step back from varsity. But I can tell you in the early 1980s, and I'm not saying this just because I, I played there. Believe me when I say this. Intramural hockey... In the early 1980s, in the community college system in Ontario, especially in Toronto, was extremely good hockey. It was full contact. It was stop time. And you absolutely were in a hockey game. This wasn't something that you did for recreation. Mm-hmm. I captained that team for two years, and I handpicked our guys. And if guys were coming out, I remember phoning Jimmy Lamb one morning and telling them, saying, Jimmy, if you're coming to the game tonight, you better be ready to drop the gloves because we are brawling these guys. And we had a, they, they, a guy broke my nose, one of the worst injuries I ever had. He cross-checked me right across the nose. I was 23 years old, wow. still playing full contact, and he shattered my nose. And still to this day, I cannot breathe properly because of it. And I got that injury playing college intramural hockey at Seneca College in 1982. I was 23. And I phoned Jimmy and I said, don't show up tonight if, uh, if, you're, if you're not ready to go. And I got Spider Jones out on the bench as our coach. And uh, we lit those sons of bitches up large, man. <laughs> and uh, I loved every second of it. But, I mean, yeah. And then I just went into the men's leagues, Polly. You know, I played uh, 20, <clears throat> 27 years of, uh, <clears throat> of men's intermediate <clears throat> and then 30 and over hockey. And then I got out of it in, in 2002. It was just too busy coaching my son. Yeah. and uh working and whatnot and then i just played pickup until four years ago uh, it was just odr and then i as i said now you know the rest of the story so so i played you know i played competitively i call it competitive they kept score and it was full contact i don't care what level it was guys were trying to take my head off and i was trying to take theirs off and i played that till i was 24 years old so you know um and i coached 13 years and uh and I know the game historically better than anybody drawing a breath on the planet. So you just put that all together, and uh, you got one thirsty Canadian Irishman. Absolutely, well, the best I know. I tell you that much. <laughs> well, you know what? It, that's a great kind of. Um, we can kind of slip into the juniors here too. Obviously, you, you think of how long. Uh, you know, you know, you would know more than me, obviously, in terms of when the the, the World Junior Championships, as far as the. You know, we're probably only getting used to seeing it here in the States on TV, obviously, maybe over the last 15, 20 years, I, I would say. Um, and I would say, you know, even for myself personally, in terms of focusing on it, focusing on Team USA, focusing on the juniors tournament. And obviously, the United States' success has been more recent in the last 20 years as far as making a dent and, and all that other stuff. But um, I'm just kind of curious, you know, with the – you take Canada, and everybody looks up at you guys as the you know the number one spot for hockey, and, and obviously you guys you know growing up as kids, no matter what level, what city, 
where it is, it's almost probably, you know, we would probably look at it, hey, it's kind of like a rite of passage. You're born and they hand you a hockey stick and you got to go play. You know, down here in the States, and I'll just talk about Long Island here in New York, um, the leagues have gotten better out here as far as developing young talent, you know, and, and it's gotten to the point where here the leagues out here, and I don't know how they are locally in your area, but uh, they get, they're very competitive where if, if there's a group of teams over here and they're playing in this one rink, they're not really too happy about the other, you know, there's rivalries there. And obviously yeah. it's money and it's and then the parents and the elite teams and everything else. And then it kind of bleeds into a little bit of the, uh, the high schools here. But it's not. It's very tough to come out of Long Island, and then become successful. Now, obviously, uh, you know, guys like Shattenkirk here from Long Island, uh, McAvoy in Boston. Um, you'll hear a few names over the years. Uh, those are the most you know common active players that are playing right now. And um, the kid who was just playing for Columbus too. I can't remember his, uh, his name. Uh, it was from Massapequa out here too. And then uh, the kid who got drafted by Toronto, um, Brocco, Jeremy Brocco. He's up there too. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's always been very competitive. You know, even me growing up out here, obviously, in the in the 80s, and, and we were all really playing – we were playing roll hockey most of the time out here on Long Island. You know, the Great Big Islanders days and the Rangers days, obviously, you know that where I come from and everything else. There were paths for us to go, but as far as the commitment here to play, and I have a couple of buddies of mine who I grew up with who are just phenomenal players, uh, tried to get into the, – they did club league like you did too, but then there really wasn't a springboard, and if you – if you wanted to go that route, the commitment just financially and as far as a collegiate level, you had to make it here. That's the only way you're going to get it, and you pretty have to go up to New England here, which is pretty much, uh, you know, as far as, you know, Boston College and everything up northeast and then everything out in Minnesota where the hotbeds are and stuff, and then you can kind of pick and choose. And it's expanded a little bit, you know, with guys like Evander Kane and, uh, you know, Matthews coming out of Arizona and so, as far as other states, and I think that's the development of the game. But long story short here, and I do go ramble on, is it's very difficult um, here in the States to kind of break into, uh, you know, getting into collegiate play. And then if you're going to make a name for yourself, you almost have to get into the, the Canadian leagues, you know. So it's a long-ass journey to become a professional hockey player and even to get into the juniors right now, which has been a great springboard for American kids and, and all the countries as well. So I'm asking you, what what is that like on the Canadian side, and what is that like for a kid from Canada to make the Canadian national junior team to play in this tournament? Well, if you made it this year, it's a hell of a badge of honor. I mean, they had 27 first-round selections in camp initially out of the 45 that were there, and that didn't include uh, Lafreniere, and that didn't include... Um, Owen Power, who, who's playing NCAA and uh, could quite likely go number one <clears throat> next year. So it didn't include either of those two. So you, you can imagine that this is one of those years that's happened only a, a couple of times with, um, with the majority of, of the Canadians available. So making the team. First of all, I've said this for years. It's very difficult to convey this message to parents who think little Johnny at the age of eight is going to the show because he scored four goals in novice in a game. But uh, uh, if you're good, they'll find you. And it, it's way easier today because uh, people, parents aren't waiting. They, they will transfer. They will sell their homes <laughs> wow. and go elsewhere if they give little Johnny a shot, sadly, most of them are wasting money, wasting time. And there's a whole, there's a whole other discussion on terms of what has really been good for the masses 
as opposed to the few that actually can elevate to the next level, let alone the National Hockey League. But having said that, the path, whether it was back in my day or or even today, uh, there, there's always been an arrow pointing directly to the top if you've been good enough. We've had all sorts of local players in the area here with great accomplishments. There's a man in my wedding party named Tim Salmon led the OHL in points in 1984. Okay, he was a scoring leader in the entire hockey, major junior hockey league in Ontario. You know, the league that's produced countless Hall of Fame players. He led the league in scoring. He didn't make the NHL, you know. He was in the Islanders camp. He was in the Edmonton Oilers camp. And he ended up playing in the minors, and then he went overseas. And he played overseas. So, you know, there's just no guarantee. It's extremely tough. Percentages are incredibly low. But it should not dash anybody's dream. Unfortunately, there's so many parents that get skewed by it because all they see are the dollar signs. And, and that's unfortunate. But I think in the American side, um, they've gone to the national programs now, under 20, under 18, uh, under 17, have just done wonders. I mean, you look at how many states, separate states, are typically represented in the last, as you say. I mean, the Americans have won four world juniors in the last 16 years after not winning at all and competing since 1977. So... It's been tremendous growth. They are definitely Canada's biggest rival on the ice, both men and women. Women, for sure, it's a given. But, I mean, even, even by the men's standards. And, uh, and, and they've been, you know, they, they, they've been hell in a cell. I mean, I, you know, I mean, they won, what, two years, three years ago was their last one, I think. And uh, I think Canada last year, Finland the year before that, Canada before that, I think the States before that in the world juniors and this is a bit of a bastard year because of covid and what's gone on you know the swedish coaches the german players the american players they had some guys that should have been there got sent home because they couldn't make the start of camp but i think the pipeline poly for anybody at least in north america to 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 uh to ascend up the levels there's no problem the cream will rise to the top they will find you you could be playing out here on a Saturday morning in Osgood. When I started coaching my son in 2001, he's a 96. He was five years old. There was a six-year-old on the ice who, who grew up seven minutes, eight minutes from where I sit right now. And he was drafted by the Pittsburgh Penguins in 2013. And he was on the ice with my son in 2001. Wow. And, and, uh, you know, so so there's there's uh, that's Mike Byron's son. So there's there's all sorts of uh, avenues now to pursue major junior. You can get drafted out of uh, out of uh, tier two junior. Obviously, NCAA has been a massive pipeline. You can get drafted out of the United States Hockey League, the great junior league they've got going down there. So I think it's great. I think it's fantastic, and the Americans have been producing countless fantastic hockey players it's just for whatever reason canada still today has been able to come up still with the next one now being yeah. mcdavid right and now maybe who who knows what the upside is for lafreniere like as good as austin matthews is and and as good as turned the clock back 15 years as zach parise was and, you know i mean these these americans they're still 
we we had Sidney Crosby, you know, and before that we had Mario Lemieux, and before that we had Wayne Gretzky, and before that we had Guy Lafleur and Bobby Orr, and then forget about it. It's all Canadian, right? Yeah. But I mean, we're still here with that guy, and and uh, and uh, it just seems to be the Canadian way in that in that sense. But that's only a small piece of the puzzle. I love it. I think we're in for a good tournament. I think the Americans will still be strong. They're they're uh, they absolutely laid an egg last year, and that coach deserves all of the blame. To me, that was the most mishandled American team I've seen since I've been watching the World Juniors. And Mr. Sandlin, who was formally drafted by the Montreal Canadiens, cannot believe it how how he broke up Caulfield with his regular line mate. And, and barely gave him any ice time, moved him around like a pinball, gave him a couple shots, and if he laid an egg, then pulled him off the ice almost, it, let alone the other things he did in the lineup for the Americans last year. I think the Americans last year were badly, badly miscoached. But as a talent, from as a nation, man, they're, they're awesome. They are, they are right there, and, uh, and, and they'll be tough going forward in any major international competition. That's best on best. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's uh, what's your take here on? I mean, you mentioned about uh, the Canadian kids uh, playing this year, the badge of honor with all the talent there too. Um, you know, I I I have to say, you know, outside of maybe you know us, you, whatever your specific team is that you love in the NHL, right? So um, obviously, Rangers here. We're looking, you know, going to be watching uh, Schneider on the Canadian team here too, and, and the kid playing goal as well. Um, but th- there's there's to me, is there a name that we we should all be watching for? whether it's on the Canadian team right now that everybody should be looking for to, to watch out. I mean, who do you think is going to be the star? I mean, there's a couple of good stories here, obviously, as far as the teams, the talent. It's the same pretty much roundup between Sweden, Finland, and Norway and the Czechs, and obviously Russia and, uh, and Larionov now uh, coaching them as well, too. So um, what's what could be the big story of this tournament for you, and, and how would Canada – you know, match that amazing comeback last year against Russia and that performance. And, and obviously uh, us here in New York, we can't wait for Laffy to, to lace him up here for us no in kidding. the red, white, and blue. But um, no just kidding. some of your ex- expectations, uh, Liam, of this 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 year's tourney, tournament and maybe something maybe you can tell us to maybe a guy or player or something to look for. Well, first of all, uh, just go back and refresh the first round selection of last year's draft because almost every kid is playing. And I think from a Canadian's perspective, you got Byfield who went to L.A. number two, and the Senators took Stutzla number three, and Canada opens the tournament playing Germany on Boxing Day. So you want to you believe that uh, the entire region of Ottawa-Carlton is going to be logged on pretty, pretty big to that game. <laughs> but um, you look at Askarov, the Russian goaltender, who was the first goal he selected. You look at, uh, um, you know, the Chicago Blackhawks released Kirby Dock. You know, the Rangers didn't release Lafreniere or, or, or Capo, uh, and, and the Devils didn't release Quinn to the Americans, which to me is ridiculous. I do not understand why they wouldn't have cut these guys loose to go play. I mean, nobody's played any hockey. You know, you're worried about them getting hurt. Stutzler got hurt, broke his hand in practice for Germany. Fortunately, it was long enough so his hand healed that he's going to be there, and he's good to go. But... Uh, you know, he went third overall and Byfield went second. So, that, you know, and then you got Kirby Dock, who played a full year in the NHL with Chicago last year. This is shades of 1995 when Alexander Dade came back after playing a first year in, in Ottawa because of the lockout. And we've had other situations happen because of the World Juniors, right, like this before. So 
Uh, I mean, uh, I think it'd be very interesting to see Byfield, Kirby Dock, Dylan Cousins for Canada. Um, you talk about last year. Last year, I mean, this is from a Canadian perspective, but that's the greatest World Juniors I've ever witnessed. I mean, for Canada, uh, not only to come back in that game, but they lost to Russia 6 nothing yeah. in that tournament earlier. And, and uh, Lafreniere got hurt, as you know. And Barrett Hayden had the, had the uh, you know, he left his helmet on for that Russian national anthem, and he was a Canadian captain. All the controversy, and then he ended up getting hurt too. Both of them told their agents and told their parents, we're playing. And they went out, and we're down 3-1 with 10 minutes to go. And I am absolutely dumbfounded how 48 years later, we continue as a hockey country to find a way to win than the most dramatic of fashions against the greatest odds, whether it was Team Canada 72 or Lafreniere and, and Hayden last year for Team Canada, it never changes. It doesn't, it's a, you could say, it, it, it's, it's not a broken script. It's an umbilical cord that connects over almost five decades. I don't know how we do it. It's unbelievable how we do it. And the rest of us so, are waiting for you to stop. <laughs> <laughs> you break well, it up every we, now and again, but that's about it. <laughs> well, we have we, we have a couple hiccups. Like I said to somebody a couple weeks ago, if we had a one every single time, and it'd be boring <laughs> as hell, right? But you're talking about this year and the abundance of riches of Canada. Well, why? Because there's no NHL. Half these guys would be in the NHL. You know, when we won when we won silver in 1986 and silver in 1999, the Roberto Luongo show, we lost 5-4 in overtime to the Russians, and we lost in 86 um, in the round robin. It was a round robin in those days, and we took silver as well. We had 10 guys playing in the NHL. That's two lines worth. Yeah. Two lines worth. Vinny LeCavalier could have played in 1999. Instead, he's lighting it up for Tampa Bay as a 19-year-old. He should have been in the World Juniors anyway. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Get a great tournament. I'd say refresh yourself with the first round picks. Almost every one of them are playing. Yeah. And and uh, you're you're in for a show. Watch Askarov for the Russians in the net. Definitely Byfield and Stutzla and uh, Drysdale and Sanderson. There's a Canadian and American battle on defense. That 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 should be fantastic by a comparison point of view. They went side by side in the draft. So there's a lot of subplot stories here. And uh, just as I said at the start of this, Polly, and I know you echo this sentiment, just God willing, COVID doesn't rear its ugly head. It already has taken a bit of a, it's taken its pound of flesh yeah. so far. So let's hope it doesn't take any more. And, and, uh, and we do get a, a good quality tournament. Because let's be honest, most of these guys haven't played. I think this is a crapshoot. There's two games tonight, by the way, right? The Americans are playing Sweden tonight, and and it, it's on TV up here. I don't know if you get it there or not, but yeah, I'll be sure watching. I'll be watching, and the and Canada plays Russia tomorrow in their only exhibition game. You don't think I'll be checking that out, brother? <laughs> well, I was going to ask you. I was going to ask you: Is the fridge stocked, buddy? That's two weeks. <laughs> and then again, it's always stocked. <laughs> yeah, it's always stocked, man. So we need my roommate. We may as well just run a conveyor belt. Right from the beer store, right to our garage. Just take them off as they're coming down the pipe, Polly. Yes, sir. Woo! Oh, man. <laughs> uh, 
I, you know, everybody out there listening, if there's, if there's a late game on, tune in for some late night Liam McGuire tweets. <laughs> there's two always, games tonight. I'm going to watch them both. Especially if there's a game in the afternoon and then there's a game Uh-oh. on late at night. <laughs> yeah. Note, note to self and note to everybody. That's not good. <laughs> Nothing good happens when oh, Liam starts man. drinking in the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so to wrap up on the juniors here, um, you, you're predicting you pretty much Canada should come out on top of this tournament, or, or yeah, is, I, or I'm, is, I'm or predicting is a Canadian or yeah, I, I I I'm predicting a Canadian victory here. Uh, um, <laughs> I think that uh, the the Russians uh, I think are going to be our counterpart again. But I'll tell you what, we do have a large unknown here, and that these guys are not coming from yeah. actively playing. Mm-hmm. I mean. Um, it still favors Canada on paper for sure, but we have won teams. I think of the second year, Brent Sutter won as the youngest team we ever had. Uh, we were all 18 year olds and like three 17 year olds. We had no business winning. We won. Um, you know, you look at last year, we had no business coming back down three, one with 10 minutes to go against what was a very, very, very good Russian team. We come back and win four, three dramatically. We really had no business winning that. We found a way. This year we're heavily favored, so we'll we'll see what happens. You know, plus the guys all have to quarantine. As if it wasn't bad enough that they haven't been able to play, then right in the in the start of their training camp they got to go 14 days where they can't even go on the ice. Yeah, you know, as if it wasn't bad enough. So I don't think there's anybody here. Uh, in my mind, I'm I'm very uh, very very uh, optimistic that Canada will win gold here, but. Uh, I think there's a large gray area that we're going to have to wait and see how this all plays out. And we're going to have to hope that no key guys get hurt because of yeah. inactivity mm-hmm. and that uh, people are able to gel. doesn't matter. You throw a team of superstars together. And the other thing I'll tell you that scares me a little bit, the head coach of Team Canada is the Ottawa 67 head coach here, Andre Tournier. Very, very respected, quality guy, was there last year as an assistant. And uh, uh, I think is is more than qualified. It was his turn. I'm sure he selected a good team out of what was very difficult decisions. What he said their team was made up of was skill. He said we're. He said uh, he was asked on local radio here. What's the identity of the team? Skill. That's great. I know, like you can't ignore when you got that many skillful players. But at the end of the day, Paulie, it's a full contact tournament, and. I know they're skillful. They're all first-round picks. They're going to do well. But sometimes you need that little extra ingredient, you know. You need you need maybe a, a Jordan Tutu. You never, you never know. You need a Corey Perry. You need that type of guy sometimes to, uh, to come in and, and, and be a difference maker physically. And it doesn't sound like they really have that. Maybe a little bit on D. Sounds like their D can, can be physical for sure. But... Uh, I'm a little concerned about that. I got to be honest with you. I really am. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing their action tomorrow night and, of course, the two games today and tonight. Yeah. No, it, it is a trip because we, we all, you all, you know, you bring up some great points, and I think a lot of us don't realize it, especially if you're, if you're not doing any backstory here. But as far as, you know, watching how these guys, how these kids play, you know, after the quarantine, not being able to get out there and maybe practice as much as they usually would, it's going to be different. It's almost like, you know, how – 
you know, when Tampa Bay comes out on top of the tournament there for the NHL in the summer, too, all the different things that they had to do. I mean, just winning that Stanley Cup, it was different. It was a different daily routine. Um, yeah. And, it, it, you know, that's probably one of the, if not the hardest Stanley Cups to have been won just because of what the guys had to go through off the ice. And now 100%. These, these kids now, too, it's a different experience. Again, kids coming in from all different countries and everything. Uh, but it will be quite impressive, and hopefully the hockey, that's all we're looking for, right, as fans. Hopefully the hockey's good. And, again, like you said, too, most of these, hopefully these kids, you know, especially kids with aspirations to join NHL teams, they don't get injured, and they come out of this on the other side. And, and, and again, you said it again as well, too, and get through the COVID, too. But it, uh, it's, it's, it's more than going to be worth its um, – you know, time to, to for all of us to sit here and why. Hey, look, all of us as hockey fans just can't wait to see live hockey, you know, and I think yeah. this is a great lead into, you know, the league starting, the, the NHL coming back uh, and get, ready, get everybody fired up. So um, I, I'm looking forward to it, man. And, you know, the juniors for me, always around the holidays too, Liam, you know, Christmas and New Year's Eve, and we're not going to get that New Year's Eve game this <laughs> year that we usually would get, um, but hopefully we'll How get that. How stupid uh, is that? How do you not schedule that? Yeah, I don't know. How do you not have a Canadian-American game or a Canadian-Russian game? We're playing Sweden at 6 o'clock at night. That means I got to start drinking about 5 o'clock <laughs> and then go right through till midnight and then, of course, beyond. So, what the hell? The I, I, that's, you're, you're in Edmonton. You got the ability to schedule this. You got the central mountain time zone. How are you screwing that up? I don't know. I, have to, I haven't heard a definitive reason as to why yet. But anyways, man's got to do what a man's got to do, so I'll be pounding all day. <laughs> you will adapt, my friend. <laughs> I will adapt. I will adapt. I am a chameleon. I can handle it. They can throw all the curves at me they want. <laughs> Can't stop Maguire, baby. <laughs> <laughs> all right, pal. So let's jump into the, the big boys coming back here. Obviously, we uh, you know everybody's been waiting these last few months, and then obviously in the last couple of weeks, the last month, I should say, uh, the talks heated up. Uh, everybody was here saying, you know, me and you went through this, and every other hockey podcaster, blogger, writer, um, you know, dealing with uh, hypotheticals and projections, and they might do this. And now we finally have got a start date. We've got a game plan. We've got the logistics. Uh, we were thrown for a loop, obviously, with the negotiations as far as the financial side of things. I think all of us, I mean, me personally, I never thought the money was going to be an issue because they had made the agreements coming out of the tournament last summer. Uh, and then for that split second there, they were talking about not even playing next year and everything else. Um, and then they get the money thing resolved, and then they're still now we're still on the fence whether or not they're coming back. You're looking at the clock. When are they going to get this started? Uh, as fans, we've dealt with um, you know, and we'll we'll just jump out of this COVID bubble here. That's no disrespect to what's going on. We're, we're talking hockey here. We're talking sports, but um, you know the, the the league loses all its usual stuff: the Winter Classic, the All Star Games, all that other <laughs> stuff. Stadium series, it's all pushed on the side. Long story short, they get this thing together. They make the announcement January thirteenth. We've got divisions. They've got a game plan. It looks like we're all going to be playing at home rinks, and we always have to, you know, quote-unquote, COVID, hopefully see how it'll affect the game. But just stepping back, Liam, now that everything's kind of, you know, uh, been set forth from the last time we were talking a few months ago, we've got real hockey coming back. Um, just like to see uh, what your take is from the binoculars uh, as far as what they've done. Um, how do you think this is set up? And, and you're you just, you know, damn happy like the rest of us that we got some puck to watch next year. 
No, you saved the best for last right there, Paulie. I'm damn happy, like you and the rest of us, I think that are hardcore fans. You've got that sort of left-wing, not left-wing, but that, that sort of faction that are that are, are, uh, are COVID-frightened um, and, and think that the world should shut down. <clears throat> but I'm, I'm glad that they're forging ahead, glad they've got a start date. Obviously, as we know, still lots of logistics, not the least of which is where are the Canadian teams going to play? Are they going to be able to play in Canada? Are they going to be able to play in States? Take all that out of it. I'm thrilled. They've announced a date. I hope it comes to fruition. I can't wait. Obviously, hockey back is never a bad thing for you or me. We do a bunch of sort of subsidiary things in and around the games being played. So I'm, I'm anxious for that. I'm a fan at heart. And I'm anxious to see everybody back on the ice and, <clears throat> and competing. I thought we, were, we got an unbelievable bonus and and uh, and so exceptionally done in the bubble in Edmonton for the Stanley Cup playoffs, 63 days. Uh, Tampa Bay were very deserving champions, and uh, and I look forward to seeing this season. So, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> no, there's still some logistics to work out. And at the end of the day, <clears throat> if it does hold true and we and it starts Jan- uh, January 13th, which has their schedule to, fantastic. I cannot wait, and I uh, look forward to it. I think it'd be absolutely could be um, could be spectacular hockey. You're going to have probably more of these first round selections that we're just talking about the World Junior. Yeah. We could conceivably see more of them in on NHL teams this year than ever before. The average year you see three, maybe four, out of the thirty, thirty-one, soon to be thirty-two first round selections that will play any number of meaningful games. There may be another one or two that'll get a game or two in. <clears throat> but in terms of getting any meaningful games, we could conceivably see a record uh, this year. Uh, you know, might be might be five, six, maybe seven guys that might start on opening night lineups. So we'll have to see. But um, very exciting. Really excited to see how Lafreniere is going to play for the Rangers. So uh, we I, I am... <laughs> I, I know you guys are. Uh, I mean, uh, I've told you this a thousand times. If uh, if uh, Shesterkin there, whatever, how you say his name, starts instead of King Henry, um, you guys beat Carolina first round. I'm sorry. That's just exactly yeah. how I see it. And I think the Rangers in the East and Colorado in the West are poised to make some serious noise, especially the Avalanche. But I would put the Rangers only one notch below them. And and wow. uh, and I, I I think they are poised to make some big time noise uh, come starting this year because <clears throat> they're 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 moving on. It's such a massive thing, you know, to move away from King Henry. But uh, anyway, I'm thrilled, buddy. Twenty third, you know, January thirteenth. Uh, bring it on, bring it on. I I can't wait. Let me ask you this: uh, as a you know an NHL historian and, and an author, and you've seen it all, and you've talked about all of it. You know this the way the um the 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 fifty six game schedule is being set up as far as the you know the uh, the divisions you know they've obviously had to have done this the way they set it up um you know each team playing each other a matter of eight times just the divisional play this is going to be a whole new thing obviously for you know us here in the east here watching Boston and the Rangers and Buffalo and Montreal all that stuff and Pittsburgh it's in the Flyers and the Devils and I mean it's it's going to be rivalry intensified minus the fans hopefully we get them back here uh, into the buildings in the spring but your your take 
as a historian who 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 knows the game inside and out and have seen so many different variations of it, just love to get your perspective on terms of how they're running the schedule this year and and how they're going to get a Stanley Cup champion. I, again, you know, setting it up such as they are with the realignment geographically. I know there's some posturing still going on <clears throat> with Minnesota and St. Louis and who's going to be the the odd duck out there and have to play in the far west. So <clears throat> that's still a guess to be determined, I, I, I believe. I don't think that's necessary. I don't believe anyway it's 100% solidified yet. But that said, I can tell you right now, uh, the Canadian fan base here north of the 49th are pretty jacked up about that all-Canadian division. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's you already look at the rivalry that, that Calgary and Edmonton have rejuvenated here in the last, uh, last year, 12 to 18 months. And then you add in here the Battle of Ontario with uh, Toronto and Ottawa, and then Montreal, Toronto, Montreal and Ottawa. And even though the Sens on paper don't look that strong, in a, in a shortened season where a lot of players are just going to, you're throwing them all together, much like they're doing here in the World Juniors. You've got all these guys with with very, very few exceptions that went overseas and got like a Joe Thornton and some of these guys that got games in overseas. The majority have not. So I think we've got a bit of a crapshoot here, and you better get out of the gate pretty decent. Because by by game 14 or 15, <clears throat> you could be toast yeah. trying to make up uh, traction in, in a in a three with three point games, and and uh, and only. 30, 35 games to go or something, look the hell out. So, uh, you know, or 40 for 56 game season. So now it's exciting. It's, 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 um, it's what we have to accept given, given the situation medically in the world. And I think we just got to look at it. Let's take any hockey we get as a bonus. Excuse me. And uh, I just think it's fantastic to have it back. So I think that's, you know, in terms of what we're going to get on the ice, in terms of uh, competition, who's going to, who's going to emerge and, and, and move along the, the path, that sort of thing. We'll have to wait and see. But, uh, you know, I think you're going to see a, an uptick as well in the, um, in the physicality because you're going to see more rivalry games that will take on a heightened awareness playing eight times. You think back to the original six, they used to play each other 14 times a year. Wow. You wonder why there was so much fighting, especially bench-clearing brawls. And you, you, you piggyback that on these recently completed playoffs, there were 19 fights in the playoffs. That's the most there's been in 10 years. And if you look at the guys who were doing the fighting, well, there is no, you know, if you take Ryan Reeves and Tom Wilson out, there isn't anybody that, you know, it's all just regular dudes, man. They're just pissed off on the ice. They got to slash the wrong way. They got to cross check the wrong way. They're looking and they're looking over and they realize, hey, he's not Bob Probert. He's not uh, Joey Kosher. You know, he, he, I, 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 yeah, you want to go? Let's go. And they drop the gloves. They have a little tip. They got full visors. They got sh- football shoulder pads on. They're protected out the yin-yang. They're alpha males in their mid-20s. They drop the gloves. They have a little tiff. And the left-wing socialists and the media are still going to cry because <laughs> somebody threw a fist in anger. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Somebody's mad on the ice and threw a fist in anger. Because they were the last kid picked for, for volleyball in grade four, and they still got a hard on on anybody who shows any physicality or a penchant for violence and to not take a loss quietly. So I'm hoping for lots of violence, too. <laughs> Do I have your permission to use that as a soundbite, my friend? <laughs> 
Last root out there, brother. Let me just take a big chug of this pint first. You got it, my friend. Cheers to that. Yeah, I think uh, I think the training staffs on all these teams are going to be working a little overtime, buddy. They got too much. I hope so. I hope so. Picking what do you teeth? think Freddie Chuchuk's doing here in Ottawa? Do you not think he's licking his lips to play? Do you not think he goes to bed at night saying, there might be maybe, maybe three defensemen, maybe four in the entire league that are even going to physically try and move him from the front of the net? Yeah. What fear does he have? He's got great hands. He may not be his brother just yet, but he's trending that way. He's fearless, and he absolutely is going to be the opposition's worst nightmare in front of the net. And if you don't think playing him eight times isn't going to lead to some (laughs) on-ice aggressive responses here, I am praying to God that it does, because that is part of what the game is. Whether it was me at Seneca in the early 80s, playing 9,000 leagues below the sea level of, of anything that would be considered really good pro hockey or the NHL today. There's If you're playing and there's physicality involved and you're an alpha male, and you're not going to take it. And I think playing eight times, whether you're an Islander or a Ranger or whether you're a Hab or a Leaf or a Sen, uh, we're, we're in for, I think, what could be some really, really interesting times here. I, yeah. I really do. I think it's a it's a bastardized version of, of of what the NHL is supposed to be. But guess what? We're getting it under a global pandemic. So all bets are off. You give me hockey like you did the playoffs. So many detractors said, don't do it, don't do it. They'll never do it. They'll never be able to award the cup. They shouldn't be doing it anyway. They went 63 days with 35,000 COVID tests, not one negative test. And we got the Stanley Cup. They played four best of sevens after a best of five play-in round. They honored the integrity, and the right team won the cup. Yep. So, you know what? Uh, all the naysayers up, need to shut up. They need to shut up. Put their head back firmly inside their earth <laughs> and shut up. You know, let us who want to enjoy the game and the contest and the conflict, and the aggressiveness, and yes, the violence, <laughs> let us enjoy the game. Go watch Tiddlywinks or something, for God's sake. Cheers to that, mate. Raise them up. Get it in you. Get ah, it. Lovely. <laughs> All right, buddy. So let them have at it. We got the juniors coming up. Nice lead up into the big boys coming back. And, uh, yeah, I, we're, we're pumped. All of us who have uh, hockey running through our blood, it's uh, it's good. And uh, that brings us to uh, winding down this show and, and the holiday season. So, uh, yeah. obviously, Liam, to you and your entire family, a, a very, very Merry Christmas. And I thought maybe the two of us would just maybe just have a little bit of a, a quick Christmas memory. Um, obviously, maybe uh, Irish-themed since we're both – Lads cut from the Dublin cloth. Um, unfortunately, my family got some sad news, and I've talked about my Uncle Jim here on the show in the past. Um, yeah. And unfortunately, he did pass away yesterday. And uh, I just wanted to mention him here. And our song going out today that we used to do in all the, the great shows we've done in the past. And if you haven't heard yeah. them, folks, please rewind. Go back to the podcast. Go back to the archives. Uh, Liam's just done some incredible work 
uh, as far as, uh, you know, talking about uh, classic Irish uh, music and the hits and everything else. And he's getting the J-Mo ready over here, folks. So it's good stuff. But um, <laughs> going to be my, a full my, shift today, Polly. Yes, I've got some uh, great memories with uh, Michael Jim and all my uh, uncles from Dublin over the years. Uh, one of my favorites was was every Christmas Eve years ago, a kid back home uh, here on Long Island. Uh, my dad would bring his mom over from Dublin, and uh, every Christmas Eve, we before we'd always have the big Christmas Day party, the Christmas night party, where everybody the door was open. Everybody came over, and, and my mother had 12 brothers, so you can imagine uh, the extension wow. of the, the cousins and the family, and we'd have a full day of sing-songs. But always on Christmas Eve, uh, we'd have my uh, my nana, as we called her, and uh, a couple uncles would stop in, only only like uh, maybe two or three. But one of my uncles who always showed up was my Uncle Jim, and we always had this great tradition, few drinks and a great few laughs, and singing with uh, my nana and my Uncle Jim, and uh, I'll never forget that. Obviously, he was a great soul, just a, a kind human being, a wonderful person, an incredible talent, singer. Uh, he played piano. Uh, I've got video of him here when me and my wife bought this house here, too. The first Christmas we had here, Uncle Jim, who lived just up the road here, across the street, literally, and uh, came over here and played the piano here for the first time in our living room. So I got a lot of great rooms, uh, memories of an Uncle Jim. But um, that's my Christmas memory. Uh, like I said, as a kid, year after year after year, it would always be Christmas Eve, a few drinks, and a great few sing-songs. It was almost the, the, the uh, warm-up act for the big night the next night, and Uncle Jim would always come over and uh, spend that time with my, my late uh, past grandma as well, my nana from Ireland. So that's my thing. And what we're going to do today, we're going to play uh, Dublin in the Railroad Times uh, one more time here, and uh, we're going to do a version from uh, Nathan Carter. Now, the reason I'm picking this one, Liam, is because, and we've we've done, like I said, there's so many great versions. I was listening to uh, Flog and Molly and, and Shillelagh Law and Patty Riley, and, you know, we have the Dubliners, and we have uh, the Clancy Brothers, and you can go on and on and on. This version, I don't know if you've heard it yet, Liam, but it's just, it's nice, and like I said, my Uncle Jim did just pass yesterday, and uh, so this will be a, a different version. And Nathan Carter is a... Young kid from uh, England, actually, and he's known as a Irish-English country music star. And um, I can't wait to play it because I heard it for the first time today in terms of getting this ready for today. So there you go, Liam. That's my, uh, my dedication, my drink today. And I'll turn it back to you now for your little Christmas memory and a toast. Well, I'm, I'm out when I do this toast. And, and uh, as you just seen, we're on video here. I just uh, poured myself a shot of Jameson. And I will be including your Uncle Jim in that. I recall you talking about him. Not only just here on uh, which you have on sticks and taps before, but you and I have had many, 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 many conversations off air at different times uh, via via text or many, many phone calls. His names come up countless times. So condolences to you and uh, and your entire family on his passing. I obviously never met the man, but uh, I offer my uh, heartfelt condolences to you guys, buddy. And I am including him uh, in in my toast. I absolutely love the song. If picked, I have not heard this rendition of it. I will be checking it out for sure. Uh, look forward to hearing it. You know how much I love the song. And uh, and if you're picking it with your musical background, and especially given it's for your uncle, then it's got to be a beauty. And I uh, love the origin of it, of as to who the uh, the young man is who's who's going to sing it. And I think that's fantastic. I, I will also include. In my toast, I'm a huge, huge supporter of the first responders and the military. 
uh, in our case here, Canadian military, uh, home and abroad, past and present, and our first responders. And we had a police officer here killed in the line of duty uh, about uh, three weeks ago, a little more than that, uh, probably almost a month ago now, a little less than a month, 26, 27 days ago in northern Ontario, uh, Gore Bay, part of the Manitoulin Islands. Uh, Mark Hoving was his name. I just went to investigate uh, somebody that shouldn't have been where they were, and uh, he was shot and killed for it. And um, it, so I, I'm including him in our toast today, and for me, and along with your uncle. And in terms of Christmas memories, <laughs> Christmas Eve, well, the thing is, my dad was from Dublin, but my mother was from Quebec City. And the French-Canadian traditions are huge. Huge Christmas Eve is monstrous in the French Canadian uh, tradition, and and uh, when we got of age, yeah, I mean, yes, uh, yes, drinking, uh, that massive part of it. I mean, we used to buy so many twenty fours of beer, and we put them underneath our table where our first color TV was, and what we called our back kitchen of our farmhouse, which was only heated by an old wood stove. There was no other heat out there. If you didn't light that sucker and fire it up and keep the wood in it, you had no heat out there. And that's how it was for us in the 60s and 70s. And and uh, we used to drink, and then we'd go to midnight mass, and we'd all go. And we'd have relatives come, my mother's sisters from Montreal, and usually her brother and his wife and family would come, or some combination, for years on Christmas. And at Christmas Eve, we'd all go I would never drive. Usually by then, I was just slightly over .08. So they wouldn't let me drive. But we would drive there. And even sometimes my friends would come. They would come to our place for Christmas Eve. It became such an incredible tradition. Guys like Peter Oliver, my current roommate. Uh, Gordy Paul, I think of guys like that. And we would go. And in the church, St. Bridget's, were uh, dozens and dozens of students who we all went to school with elementary school and then high school at St. Leonard's Elementary and St. Pius X and it was flooded with them and their parents and uncles and aunts and siblings and that is some of my greatest Christmas memories was going to midnight mass with my parents and my brothers occasionally friends and lots of family and joining all of the families in the communities where I grew up mm-hmm. in the 692 Cars Road, Manatick, Osgood cars those three villages primarily in the surrounding area is where I grew up and that was represented at St. Bridget's at midnight for years for us as part of our Christmas and uh yeah were there some hijinks after for sure we set off fireworks one time uh we started a massive snowball fight and almost forced a priest off the road as he was trying to drive out it was you know some things we probably shouldn't have done but but you know, nobody got hurt. It was it was just pretty much harmless tomfoolery, really. That's the worst you did with snowballs and fired off a few fireworks. But uh, I'll tell you what, man. Jeez, Polly, it, you know it, it's the one thing, eh? You, you think about all of the dates and all the anniversary in our lives, your children being born, your marriage, your the big things that matter to you, and 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 different different anniversaries. Me, Paul Henderson, September twenty eighth, and things like that. But the one thing every single year that will never, ever change is when December 24th and 25th come around. Mm -hmm. No no matter what you had in your past, it always comes back. 
yeah. right? It could be your earliest memories at four, five, or six, or when you were a teenager, when you were in your 20s, or when you started your own family. And, 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 and you champion those. It never, ever, ever will leave your consciousness. Hopefully it won't anyway, mm-hmm. if they were good memories for you. Sounds like you had some fantastic ones, as did I. So good on you for even suggesting we take this few minutes here as we wind down today and do the toast for your Uncle Jim and for Mark Hoving, God rest his soul, and, and your uncles. And uh, include our Christmas memories in that because uh, that's important for everybody listening to have that. And, and uh, I hope everybody can look back and, and if you close your eyes and remember those, those days and nights as fondly as it sounds like you and I do, buddy. Absolutely. So here's to their memories, our memories, and to the memories still to come. Slanta, mate. Slanta, brother. <laughs> the first of many more. It's holiday season, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> All right, mate. Love the smell of late palm in the morning. Oh, yeah, baby. <laughs> <laughs> One of the greatest lines in movie cinematic history. One of the greatest movies, my friend. One of the greatest movies. Absolutely. Can you picture him out there with no shirt on? (laughs) He's kneeling, talking about the surfers, and the bombs are gone, and the place is exploding, and the napalm gets dropped. Robert Duval, baby. Uh, You know, just real quick on that, it it was only literally like a month or two or so. I was caught that again. Obviously a horrible time, but... The filming of that scene. Yeah. If you get a chance, you got to go back and look at that again. I mean, it was just brilliant. It was uh, Coppola was just ahead of his time there with that whole thing. But oh, just everything yeah. that was going on. The chaos that was going on and then the way it was filmed and produced. But, uh, yeah. yes, as your reference for firing up the JMO into the old <laughs> blood system there, buddy. Yes, a fantastic <laughs> reference, my friend. <laughs> And with that, buddy, thank you so much for doing this with me again. A very merry and healthy Christmas to uh, you and your entire family, man, and, and to everybody up there in the great white north, our brothers and sisters up there. Um, and we'll we'll uh, touch base over the holidays here. And uh, But, again, thanks so much for doing this with me, buddy. You as well, my friend, to you and your family. Stay safe, stay well, and, and uh, God bless you all. And take care. All right. Nathan Carter is going to take us out here with Dublin in the rare old times once again from my late Uncle Jen. All right. Take care, folks. Raised on songs and stories Heroes of renown How the passing tales and glories That once was Dublin town The hallowed halls and houses The haunting children's rhymes That once was part of Dublin in the rare old times Ring a ring a rosy As the light declines I remember Dublin City In the rare old times My name it is Sean Dempsey As Dublin as can be 
Born hard and late in Pimlico In a house that ceased to be By trade I was a cooper Lost out to redundancy Like my house that fell to progress My trade's a memory I courted Peggy Dignan As pretty as you please She's a role and a child of Mary From the rebel's liberties I lost her to a student chap With skin as black as cold When he took her off To Birmingham He took away My soul Ring a ring A rosy As the light declines I remember Dublin City In the railroad times The years have made me bitter The gargle dims me brain As Dublin it keeps on changing And nothing seems the same The pillar and the Mets have gone and the royal long since pulled down as this grey and gilding concrete makes a city of my town For thee well sweet Annaliffy I can no longer stay And watch these new glass cages That spring up along the quay My mind's too full of memories Too old to hear new chimes Cause I'm a part of what was Dublin In the rare old times As the light declines, I remember Dublin City in the rare old times. I remember Dublin City in the rare old times.